And a happy Friday to everyone out there in America listening in to America's number one sports music show. This is Fanatic Radio on WVAU.org. As always, I am Michael Gardner and join with me out of the bullpen again. This is third time in a week, third time in a row. Ben Florence from BFlow360.com. Ben, welcome to the program. How have you been? Uh, I've been great. Uh, thank you for having me again. Giving giving me some life on Friday night. I tell That's you. good. So one way to spice up your weekend. We are the pregame to the pregame here on Fat Radio. Have a great show for you on hand. Got some interviews from AE wrestlers. Preview Bender takedown. We have a knuckleball retiring and much more. Actually, some NASCAR information we'd like to share with you. We'll begin today, obviously, with college basketball and the wild. Crazy week, I'd have to say, that it went down in the world of NCAA hoops. We'll begin also with the American University Eagles picking up a, I'd say, a, a expected win. Absolutely. Much expected win. Beating Navy, I think it was, what was it, 69? Like 37 or something? Something like that. It was it was a total beatdown. It mean, was unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, before we start with that, Facebook.com slash Fanatic Radio is our website. We currently have 101 likes now. Shout out to Larissa Jennings from... Ponderosa, Colorado, for being our 101st like. And also, 202-885-8700 is the number to call in for the phone lines. We'll also be joined today as well by Josh Dorfman, hockey player on American University's club hockey team. We'll have more on that later in the show. But back to college basketball. Flo, big game next week, in case most of you didn't know. We have American Eagles taking on the Bucknell Bison. And... Thursday's game, American rolled over Navy. Great performance. Turning over like he gets his second double-double of his career. Second in as many as three games, yep. which is great for him. But the, like, the more shocking news around the conference was Fanatic Radio's favorite, C.J. McCollum, hitting the game-winning three against Bucknell. Yeah. Now, that that's huge because a lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, this is us. This is for us. This is for the Patriot League aficionados. But when you when you look at it, how Bucknell, do you know Flo going into this game? The Bison had numerous streaks. Apparently, they had twenty straight wins against conference opponents. Oh my! They had a this is a twelve game home winning streak or something like that. Pro- it sounds right. They had first place in the bag. I think they do already. But yeah, to then get upset. By Lehigh, mm. this is. You think this is a more impressive win, or it's just it's bad news for American? Uh, I think it's actually could be good news for American. Uh, Lehigh played in close all game. C.J. McCollum is basically Lehigh's team, and which is tremendous again, as he always is, and hit that game-winning shot. And uh, you know what happened when uh, American came, or Lehigh came here? We beat him by. Uh, uh, double digits after being we down did, yeah. by double digits early. And if we get Bucknell here after they're coming off a loss, you know, this will be a big game because, as I remember talking with uh, Sports Zone's own Tyler Tomeo about this. Love Tyler. And uh, we were talking about how in the Patriot League tournament, basically it's home field, it is home field advantage. That's true. And the home team basically always wins, always wins the tournament. So if American could get that number two seed, and then, I mean, they'll have to take on Lehigh at one point, probably, with Bucknell likely being the one. But it that gives us a pretty good shot at getting a, ch- a shot, a shot 
of March Madness. A shot, I tell you. <laughs> that is true because I think it's a bad thing for AU. Because when you look at it from a team's perspective, you didn't want Lehigh to be Bucknell because we currently are in a second place tie break. Or a tie break, yeah, essentially with Lehigh. But the reason why it's bad mm. is because since they now beat the number one team, they will. We have to beat Bucknell to at least try to get a share of second place. Because if we lose to Bucknell on Thursday, we are now in the third seed. And, I mean, unless Lehigh loses, they play Colgate their last game. Yeah. But that means we have. To, means we play a home game against. I want to say the sixth seed. And then I believe. Being third seed, we go into Bucknell. Mm. So we'd have to beat Bucknell twice in as many as two weeks. See, I didn't think about that, and now <laughs> your reasoning makes so much more sense than mine. And, yeah, I think it's, it's not <laughs> It's going to be a great game, though, on Thursday. Oh, I'm course. very excited. Jeff Jones' bobblehead night, by the way. Oh, yeah. I think first 100 fans that show first, up. I think it might be first 1,000 fans. 1,000 fans! Did we, did we yeah. even get that much? I would love to see I that. I hope so. We got we got a good crowd for Leah. Of course, there were like some sports teams there, or some of that. But we got a good crowd for that. We got we got a not awful crowd for uh, Navy, which is a game you know. You yeah, don't really it was get Yellow Ribbon for. Appreciation Night. Yeah. We had a lot of the vets, AU vets, come out and support us. Mm. That was good. But Thursday night, seven o'clock, Bender Arena, second to last home game, but it should be the one that counts because this is essentially the team we'll probably end up playing. But sticking with basketball, though, there's a huge college basketball segment. Our women's team, congrats to them at Corkery and the entire staff and players. Outright Patriot League champions for the first time since, I think it was 2007-2008. Their women's team completely has gone under the radar. They're hosting the entire tournament. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. They've been very impressive all year. I mean, uh, you know... I'm no women's basketball aficionado, <laughs> but I, I know you are, Mike. But, uh, you can. know, I mean, this women's team, I watched them a couple times this year because, you know, sometimes, because, you know. Because we're getting for free. Exactly. <laughs> so, and I saw it, I'm like, hey, this is uh, this is a pretty solid team. I mean, I don't know that much about Patriot League women's basketball, but if they, if they get a, into the, uh, uh, the women's tournament, that'll be uh, – I mean, they they probably end up being a 16 seed. I remember. I think women's bracketology in ESPN. Yes, there is women's bracketology in ESPN. Stacey Dale still work with ESPN for that? Uh, I don't know. I, I think she works at uh, NFL Network, so I'm not she certain. She really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, she's. Yeah. But the thing is, for us, yeah, I think people can already go ahead and start to saying, you know, we'll be the Patriot League champions mm. because when you look at it, we are lights out at home. Essentially, because we have won, we're going for our, on Saturday, our last home game against Arby, it's senior day, I think it's at 2 p.m., fans should go out and watch, because if we win that game, we'll be 12 in a row, Yeah. which will break our program record, or tie a program record. You know... No, we have the program record. Yeah. It's men's if they win against Bucknell, that'll tie the program record of the most wins at home. It's just, you got, you have, you, so if you look at it in logic... Men's team is going for a home record. Women's team has broke a program record for consecutive wins. They, I think, women's team has only lost four times at home. Bender, I mean, look at Bender Arena. I, I know it's the new Cameron Indoor Stadium. I know it's we got we got the cra- <laughs> crazies in the fan section. We, we got, got the blue the, crew. We got the pet band brings it every feared. night. We are feared yeah. at home. You don't you don't want to come to uh, Tenley Town 
play the Eagles. <laughs> it's got such a nice ring to it, too. It does. Our women's team, I wish them the best. <laughs> Hopefully we can try to see them on Saturday because I have to work lacrosse that day. Mm. So, wondering how that will do. I hope we do well because there are all the games we have played really close. One point win against Army. We won by three uh, Wednesday against Navy. We have not had the same things at home. We have crushed upon us by 20-plus. We can hang big numbers, and especially if we get the final, at least the semifinals, that's when fans will start seeing, hey, we can actually come out to this game because spring break is the week after. Yes. So there should be no excuse why fans do not attend this game. I, yeah, I'm, I remember last year watching the uh, the tough semifinal in the Patriot League tournament where we lost to, uh, who did we lose to at the at the Horn? That uh, was Lafayette. It? Lafayette. I remember. Actually, was our last game of the regular season. I was watching team. that game, and there was like nobody there. But it was <laughs> spring break. But like That's you true. said, spring break is the opening week of the uh, NCAA tournament. I will be out in Missouri for the games, visiting a friend out in Columbia for the Very cool. last half of that week. And uh, yeah, it should be. And uh, we got to get the fans to come out for. That's a must. Yes, because if we're if we're just such a good home team, you know, you get the fans there, we get a great crowd, you know, they'll go nuts. Place will be nuts. You feed off the energy. So we you have know. plenty of it. If we, you know, because the two times I've seen the stadium packed, well, obviously the NCAA Pedro Lee tournament was the first, but the two times this year, St. Joe's and La- and Lehigh, mm. very good players came to town. We have Mike Muscala, which I'm a little worried about because yeah. I think I mean. I'm not. I mean, I'm a Fairweather fan at heart because I, you know, my allegiance to the athletic program. But we're not going to win. I think about it. You look at it, and it's like, well, Bucknell, Lehigh beating them is such a bad thing for us because now they have all this rage built up. We have the second to last game that they have for the Patriot League tournament. Before they have to go out and defend their ch- their title. Mike Muscala dropped 31 points against Steve Lumpkins last year. Yeah. I can only imagine what he's going to do to mm. Tony Rublicki, who will then get into foul trouble, and then you bring Riley Grafton, and he'll get in foul trouble, and then you have Daniel Fisher. Unless Charles Hinkle can go off. Which he can. Which he can. He's got that ability. He needs to in order for Bucknell. Him and Troy Brewer need to combine for 40-plus points. That's all I'm going to say for that. But for college basketball, did you see the Duke game last night? How uh, they came back from 20 points. Yeah, I Steph mean... Steph Curry, 29 of the absolutely. team's 52 points. <laughs> I mean... Is it just a matter of uh, Duke is that good? Or is it... NC State just blew it. NC State definitely blew they it. They blew it. And that's a loss that's going to hurt them. Because right. they're a team on the bubble. Uh, along with a few other ACC teams. And they definitely blew it. Like, there's no excuse. But if you're a team... And if you got great three-point shooters, that's the thing. like Duke does, they got Curry, they got Rivers who can light it up from three. If those guys even Dawkins sometimes, yeah, if they get hot shooting, they can erase the lead pretty quickly. And Duke's got some talent. I I I still think North Carolina is the best team in conference, even though they lost at home. I still feel that North right. Carolina is better than Duke. But I mean, when you can shoot, I mean, granted, if you can't, if you have, you have an off night, then you're deep trouble. But if you can shoot, you you can get back into any game as long as it's not ridiculously out of hand, which it almost was. I just can't believe 20 points, though. At, you're at home, too. Cameron Indoor Stadium is no longer a tough place to play. Watching this year, maybe it's just this Duke team and how the way that they come out with defense and all, because the last three times I have seen Duke, watched it on TV and seen Duke play at Cameron Indoor, they almost lost to... 
No, yeah. Who am I kidding? They lost to Florida State. Yeah. Who we'll get to in a minute. They lost to Miami. And they almost lost to North Carolina State. I was going to mention Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's mad, It's either a matter of the ACC is a very good conference, which it is. No doubt about that. But the fact that Duke cannot play, it's not that they can't play well at home. It's just there's some things about that team. I think just aren't right yet. But apparently the way they play, but then you look at the game against North Carolina, and it's like, well, if they could do that, this team could either be an Elite Eight team or a knockout in the second round. But speaking of the ACC, Florida State had another buzzer beat. So we had CJ McCollum win. We had AU women's team win at the, not win at the buzzer, but they held Navy from tying at the buzzer. We had George Mason, who is another team we'll get to later. Florida State won at the buzzer last night against Boston College. I mean, Grant BC is not the best team in the ACC. But they are 9-2 and of the conference. They are tied for Duke, actually beating Duke in that conference. They're first place. Could you imagine if Florida State was the one seed in that tournament? Uh, I, I'd be stunned. I think they actually did it against Virginia Tech. Odd Tech, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it was, uh, looking at a final score of 48-47, which means that was a really exciting game. That's the same guy that hit the three... Against Duke. Yes, yes. And and that's the thing with Leonard Hamilton. You used to coach uh, Washington Wizards for one terrible season. Mm-hmm. and But that's the thing with his teams. His teams play really good, strong defense, and they play a lot of low-scoring games. And that's why you you get close wins. And you could also have some bad losses. Like they lost a couple weeks ago at Boston College by four, and Boston College has won eight games all year. So. Right. But, I mean, this Florida State team... They they've shown they could beat the good teams. They steamrolled North Carolina earlier this year, which was I know, right? That's totally the thing. out of nowhere. Florida State is a good club. They were a, a very sweet good 16, club. They were a Sweet Sixteen team last year, weren't yeah. they? They're a very good basketball team. That's the one team you definitely have to watch out for. Absolutely. And before we take our quick commercial break, we have the bracket busters this week, mm. and I'm very excited. Flo, you wanted to talk about the. Murray State St. Mary's game. If Murray yeah. State loses, they're not going to the tournament unless they win their conference. I agree. And this is a this is a, a game that should be absolutely winnable because St. Mary's their top guy is uh, I just forget his name. Their point guard is really good, and you'd really want a uh, him matching up with Kanan again. I'm blanking, but uh, but he may not go. So if he doesn't go, then there's no excuse that Murray State at home. Should not win. Plus, you got Dick Vitale in the building, and that do you really? Oh, I want to watch that It's game gonna now. be uh, da- Dave O'Brien and uh, Dave Dick O'Brien. Vitale, <laughs> Murray State. I don't even know where that is, but uh, yeah, I mean Murray State's really got to win. If they lose, and if they don't win the the conference tournament, that's gonna be really, really, really tough. Right. Because they haven't really beaten anybody this year. Their RPI is so low. Another game I'm very excited for: Long Beach State and Creighton. Mm. Creighton did lose. They've lost, I think it was two, twice in three games. But they're a team that's essentially a threat, unless Long Beach State could shut down Doug McDermott. But Long Beach State, though, they're the team that upset, I think it was Pitt? Yes. They almost beat Kansas, I believe? Uh, and North Carolina? I think they, they only hung with them mm, uh, this year. Uh, but they're a team I love yeah, to watch. Yeah, they hung, they hung with both. They lost to uh, Kansas by eight and North Carolina by six. Like, how does this team do that? I'd love to watch that in Creighton and then the game you mentioned as well. Also, George Mason and VCU both play bracket busters this week. Mm. VCU is against Northern Iowa. I'm not sure who George Mason is. 
they were sort of a late add-in. But those two, those two teams went at it this week, and Mason ended up hitting a, shot, a three-pointer at the buzzer. So <laughs> that's a conference that is so under the radar. Absolutely. How they had, going into that game, three teams, Drexel, VCU, and Mason, were a three-way tie for first. And we're worried about is is <laughs> can American at least get a three seed in the Patriot League tournament? <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll hopefully we'll open up the phone lines uh, after this. That was our college basketball segment. Two zero two eight eight five eight seven zero zero is the number. We'll stay with us. We're going to a commercial music break. When we come back, we will be joined by Matt Mariocker and Matt Dorf of AU Wrestling. Stay with us. You're listening to Fanatic Radio on WVAU. Carlton, as we have a caller on the line, thank you for calling into the show. You're on Fanatic Radio. Hey, this is Todd Marinovich calling from Michael. Todd Marinovich, welcome to the show. Yes, we forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, we are joined here by former USC Oakland Raiders and now current artist, Todd Marinovich. How are you today, sir? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. How's California? It's sunny. <laughs> I say much much better than freezing cold DC. One of the things we also wanted to have you on the show is that spring football is starting next week, and one of the big storylines for this is that your USC Trojans are pretty much one of the heavy favorites this year. Yes, <laughs> probably because oh. Matt Matt Barkley's coming back, which is a surprise to me actually. Are you surprised of how well one that he came back, but more importantly? the fact that Lane Kiffin is sort of, they're done with their suspension, and now this is their first full year to sort of open the taps in the college football world. Yeah, I was impressed, really, the way that they played the last few years under, you know, the sanctions that they were under. And 
they played hard. And, you know, they're getting talent. They're not obviously able to get as much with the um, sanction, but still people want to play at USC. Right. And so now looking at you, for recently ESPN and the 30 for 30 film series made a documentary about you. How did they get in contact with you to sort of tell your life story? It was um, Andrew Stefan and uh, John Dorsey, and they um, have a production company in Los Angeles, and they just contacted me, and we met a few times, and after meeting with them, I just got a good feel, a good vibe from both of them, both those guys, and they did a, a great job of putting the film together. Did they tell it like it is? I mean, was there anything that they left out that you were upset about, or was it pretty much straightforward? Oh well, they, you know they spent a ton of time filming, so obviously there was a ton of stuff left out. But um, that's that goes with the territory. But um, it was like you said, it was straightforward. It was honest, and and I thought they uh, they wanted to tell it a little different than it had been told in the past, and that people were just tired of the same old story. And, and really, that same old story was the truth. And so now, uh, looking at looking at that, watching that video, I mean, obviously it was a great it was a great documentary. Yeah, it's now sort of tells the story about how you sort of overcame the hump of drug abuse, and now you have your own art studio. How is that going for you? It's awesome. I'm really uh, living a lifelong dream of being an artist and um, making money at it and raising a family. I always wanted to be a dad. I have a wife and, and two beautiful children, so. It's um, my life has gone full circle, and I've really lived a lot in the, in the short time I've been on the planet. But um, I'm really enjoying myself in creating art, and you can go to uh, my website toddmurdovich.com and check it out. How do you get your inspiration for your artwork? Is it just is it because you played in football? That's where most of your uh, paintings come from. Um, you know, it, you know, some of the art that I do. Obviously, I spend a lot of time and um, effort and, and playing the game. And so it comes out in my art, and it's really through my experience. I just, um, it's easier for me than than words, really creating it in color and uh, images. So I, I really, being an artist, I really am uh, thrilled to be able to produce art and people get to see it. Is this something that you'd like to continue? I was going to say, what's the next step for you now? Just continue what I'm doing, really. And, and I've really, just, over the years, learned to really just enjoy, you know, each day in the moment. And, and I couldn't be happier, really, with what every day's been bringing me so far. All right. Also, uh, looking back at the NFL season and the college football season, how it's, the landscape is changing, are there some days that you wish you were still out there on the field? No. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are long gone. No, I, I, I'm a fan. I enjoy watching the game. I always will. And, you know, my son, I'm going to expose him to it, and I'm sure, you know, he'll enjoy it. So, um, you know, I don't miss it. I got to really do what I wanted to do in the game, so I'm happy with being a spectator. All right, Tom Maranovich, uh, head of the Tom Maranovich Art Studio, former USC Oakland Raiders quarterback. Thank you for joining us on Fanatic Radio. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Anytime. That was uh, former quarterback Tom Moranovich calling in. It's also nice to preview spring football, which is Absolutely. coming up.
But uh, jumping out, having a rare jump out of the music break, we'll continue back with the tunes and stay with us. Snack Radio, WVAU. Dreams 
Fanatic Radio here on WVAU.org. Phone lines are open 202-885-8700. Ben Florence and Milo Gardner playing Grammy Award winning song Rolling in the Deep by Adele. Are you surprised how many Grammys she won? No, she she just came out of nowhere. She was a huge hit. I I actually watched her uh, her thing on uh, 60 Minutes before the Grammys yeah, with yeah, the very Anderson Cooper. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of her stuff, but I mean... It's a lot better than other stuff I've heard yeah, come of reason. So she, yeah, she's not awful, and she actually seems to be uh, pretty funny. But she's also British, so there you go. That's cool. That's I didn't realize that though. I listened to the Chris Morris show on BBC Radio, and I heard her as a guest, and I was like, wait a minute, she has a British accent. Yeah. I had no idea she was British. Well, congrats to her, all those people. Uh, Melancholy Happy Trails to Whitney Houston. 
Uh, the only thing I remember her is the fact that when I was in music class in elementary school, my kid, and we're going way back for that, that one of the videos we watched had her singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Mm. And it was during the Persian Gulf War. So it yeah. was in the stands, everyone had all the American flags. So rest in peace, Whitney Houston. We love you. But back on the show, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the Todd Maranovich interview, go to the Facebook page, like the page, tell, spread it to your friends and family, acquaintances, the guy you just met on the street. Spread the word. I've got 101 likes right now. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud shortly after Ben and I are done on the show. But for now, we'll go to the NBA, where we're not talking about Linsanity right now. We're talking about LeBron James. The His heirness, and that's Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> What's his nickname? What's King James. King James, yes. Here's interesting fact they play. They returned to Cleveland. The Heat returned to Cleveland tonight. And very interesting comments made by LeBron James yesterday saying he would, um, you know, wouldn't mind going back and playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Here's Aaron Goldhammer from WKRN in Cleveland on those comments. It's interesting, Bucci. It's split. I mean, I would say right down the middle, 50-50. These comments came out after we got off the air today, so I threw it out to some of our fans on Twitter. uh, And literally back-to-back tweets, people saying, I think LeBron should go to HE double hockey sticks, and people saying, ah, it's been a year and a half, and I'm ready to forgive him and move on. I think it would depend on the situation. And you're looking two or three years into the future, whether fans here would actually accept him again but I think over a long period of time our culture in general and even here in Cleveland one of the most bitter towns of them all is pretty forgiving and if he really wanted to come back and really mea culpa like he's starting to do now I think people would accept him back here. Do you think people will accept him back? Uh, I ultimately think they uh, they would. I mean there will be a few years down the line. Yes the way he left the whole decision thing it was really just Pretty disgraceful. It really was a slap to face. But you know they actually they took they took a couple steps forward this year. They got Kyrie Irving who looks like a star. They got Tristan Thompson who looks pretty good. If they if they miss the playoffs, they'll get another uh, high draft pick yeah. next, uh, for next year. So they've got a bright future. So I mean, will it happen? Uh, I I'm leaning toward no. But I I, I don't think he'd be a po. I I don't think it's out of the question. I think that they would ultimately let him back. He's too good of a player. Right, that's the thing. For that, if he was know. an average guy, it'd be different. But the fact that he was two-time MVP in Cleveland as well, you have to take him back. I mean, even talking to Owen Willis, our American's resident Cleveland fanatic, he even agreed that he'd take him back only if he didn't win a championship in Miami. And so we head to the phone lines. Thanks for calling in. You're on Fanatic Radio. Uh, hi. I'm trying to call in to uh, the show kind of hold on? Yep, you're on, you're on the air. Oh, cool. Uh, I mean, what happened? Uh, I, I'm leaning for no, but I, I, I don't think it'd be a problem. I, I don't think it's a problem. I don't think they would have to go back. He's too good to play. As I say, the, do you want to talk about LeBron James and how the fact that he wants to go back to Cleveland or he wouldn't rule that out of the yep. question? Yep, I mean, we're going to own you up. I just think that... Uh, as a, I'm a Miami Heat fan. I think that um, LeBron going back to the Cavs, it was going to happen just because uh, he is from Akron, obviously. Um, and as a Heat fan, I'd actually be all right with it. Um, 
he gets us championship. Uh, pretty much it. Now, just say, all right, thanks for your call. Thank you for calling into the show. So there we go. Well, the caller agrees that he wouldn't mind. And if he does end up winning a uh, title in Miami, I mean, what will he will he have to you know, what motivation will he have to stay really in Miami if he has? I mean, yes, South Beach is lovely, but if he wins the title there, then maybe he'll come back, want to win a title, have some a better supported cast around. If he comes back, wins the title, he'll be he'll be a god there, a That's god. Because like you said, Flo, he's too good of a player mm. to sort of let that slide. Also, sticking with the NBA, J.R. Smith now joins the Knicks. Big news, because now you have a consistent... No, I guess he's a very consistent shooter. He's been in China for a while, at least for the past few months. While well, Tyler Sandy things going up, the other thing with Carmelo coming back. Here's, and he was actually the one who hit the game-winning shot against the Toronto Raptors. Here's yep. what Jeremy Lin had to say after that game. opportunity for us to be tied at the end of the game just because uh, we came out a little flat. Um, I let Calderon have probably 20 in the first half, um, but Shump came in, did a great job defensively in the fourth quarter. Landry, uh, just a, you know, 8-7-7 or whatever it ended up being, just moving the ball, playing his playing, playing the way he, he knows how to play, and then obviously with guys like Tyson and um, Amari just getting every rebound at the end of the, in the fourth, and I think that's why we had a chance at the end of the game. Let her in. Uh, the M one was I think it was off an offensive rebound. Uh, moved the ball around, saw him closing, just try to attack the attack the basket. Saw him in the restricted area, so I just try to make sure I get some type of contact. Um, and then the last play. Um, that was another offensive rebound, actually, I think. And, uh, you know, that's that's a credit to the bigs, everyone just being active. And then uh, just tried to take whatever Calderon was going to give me, try to be aggressive and make sure we get a good shot at the end of the clock. So one thing interesting about that interview, Ben, is the fact that he actually doesn't talk about him making the three-point basket until like two minutes in. He's very generous when thanking his teammates. Yeah, I mean, you really Is there see, anything this guy can't do? I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, he got most he's mostly the reason why MSG is back on uh Time Warren. I mean, that's a completely separate story, but I mean, this I mean, this guy, he's, you know, he's he's got humility. He makes a game-winning shot. He seems all about the teamwork and the teammates. He's, you know, sporting everyone. He's basically shown to be whatever you want in your point guard. It's just like, oh my goodness, where did he come from and why did the Nets not find him first? <laughs> you think, what do you think is going to happen when Carmelo comes back? Uh, I, I think ultimately what will happen is that I think Lynn is shown to be a selfless player. His points are going to go down. I think that it, it will be interesting to see because Carmelo is, he ha- you know, everyone knows he's you know, you give him the ball and, like, everyone basically stops around him. He doesn't make players better around him. So it will be interesting to see. I think what will be big for him will be with uh, uh, Amari coming back because uh, uh, he's run the pick and roll flawlessly with Chandler, who runs a great pick and roll, too. And if you get Amari that, who's also great at running the pick and roll, that that really makes the Knicks offense. And now you got, even though G.R. Smith, He's kind of a mercurial player. He'll shoot way too much, play awful defense, which, I mean, uh, not great for the Knicks. 
But the thing that J.R. Smith does bring is he will be the best shooter on the team. And he's a very he's a great three-point shooter. And this, te- this next team, a sharp, a sharp decline from a year ago has been terrible, right. awful shooting the three-pointer. Uh, before we end the show, well, one thing we definitely promised you guys was Bender Takedown is this Sunday at 2 p.m. Wrestling, final wrestling home match of the year before they head off to the EIWAs and essentially the NCAA tournament. We actually had this chance to sit down with wrestlers Matt Mariocker and Matt Dorff for an exclusive interview earlier this week. Matt Dorff, Matt Mariocker, thank you for taking the time to do this. No problem. Anytime. So you guys have been on a pretty hectic road trip the past few weeks. How does it feel to come back home and take the match for the final time this year in Bender? Um, it's definitely nice to be back. It's uh, it's cool going on road trips, seeing, seeing a little bit of the country, especially going up the place like California and whatnot this year, but uh, it's nice to to be back where you're you're most comfortable and uh, preparing in, in your own wrestling room. Yeah, like in the past few weeks we had a really good win so far. We beat Upset of Bing, Binghamton, we beat Bucknell, we beat Central Michigan, which was the first time ever. So I feel confident, confident enough that we will beat Virginia Tech or do really well. So how was California? Because T told me that he prefers you guys go to a lot of road trips away from D.C. to sort of get you in the the mood of nationals and all that. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's kind of like uh, practice matches because in nationals you're usually not going to be too comfortable. Um, you're some you're usually somewhere you haven't ever wrestled before, so that's a totally different uh, different aspect. And you have to be you have to be able to compete at you know at the highest level when you're the least comfortable. So it's it's good practice for the end of the year. Um, but you always enjoy being home. So how's the season going for you guys? Is it everything you expected or anything? Yeah, I mean, after Cody left, I felt like it was going to be different, but it's much better, I think, in my opinion. Teek's an excellent coach, and he's more interactive with us in practice, and all our teammates, especially Matt, are motivating us every day to keep going. It's really funny that that you mentioned that, because knowing you, Matt, you're probably one of the most quiet people I know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't try to try to keep it uh, a little bit low on the, the talking end, but um, got to be a, an example. But it's it's been it's been a good year. It's, I definitely agree with what he said with with Teague. Um, it's everybody was you know you're obviously gonna be worried with change. Everybody's scared of change, and but uh, I don't think there's one person on the team that would say they're they're unhappy with with the new coach. Um, it's been you know truly really a blessing just to, to have him around and building a relationship with him and seeing him build relationships with the rest of the guys on the team because it just just creates an atmosphere where we're comfortable with everybody. This is interesting because you think with a new coach, you guys will take a step back, but it's more like you guys just sort of win, win and ran while you guys finished last year. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, nobody's uh, We've had changes, just like you said, but um, everybody's get goals uh, stay the same. So it's been everybody's just been continually working at the same pace. Um, and, and we're we're pretty fo- we're a pretty focused group, so it makes it makes the transition easier. Yeah. What, what makes you guys so so focused? Because for me, is it you find Teague more or less intimidating that he's that he's smaller than both you guys? Honestly, all I see is him as a national champion. I don't care about height, about anything. Just him being a national champion, and there's someone I want to follow. I want to be able to win a national champion like he did, and Teague is one of the most organized individuals I've ever met. Compared to Cody, he is one of the most 
motivational, organized individuals I've ever met. How does he prepare you, Matt, for doubts and all that? Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up about the comparison um, of intimidation because Cody's definitely a big dude. He's a beast, and uh, um, just uh, he's kind of like a, he was kind of like a dad too, at the same time. But uh, he, it's not much less because. Um, for me personally, I get to wrestle with him every day in, in, the, in the, the practice room, so um, he does some beating up on me. So I, it's, uh, he has the same intimidation factor because he's a he's a fierce competitor, and, and you know he's got the credentials to go with it. So, um, but preparation-wise, I mean that's another thing, just being able to work out with my coach. I didn't have that opportunity with Cody. Um, not that it set me back at all, because um, he uh, he was able to provide for us. And, in every other way, but uh, being able to work out with Teague on a you know personal basis where I can actually drill with him and go live with him, um, it's a totally different uh, perspective that I wasn't able to have before. Um, and, you know, it's really easy to appreciate. Uh, your teammate Ryan Flores has been getting all this national attention of being undefeated. Just anything you can say about Ryan and the season he's had this year? Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I mean, yeah. we it's it's, it's fun to watch. Um, we can always rely on him to get six points in a, in a team, uh, a duel, and uh, he's he's a great teammate. Um, uh, another guy who uh, who leads more, um, less from you know saying things, leads by example more. He uh, busts his butt every day in practice, um, and and on the mat. Um, some some guys can't get it done on the mat um, when competition comes around, and he does. Uh, he goes out there and gives it 100% every time. And it's it's fun to watch, and especially with the attention he gets because he's number one. Um, so he's he's always uh, got uh, somebody coming after him in a match. Um, but every time he goes out and dominates, and just an entertaining competitor. I totally agree. Ryan is like so much fun to watch. Sometimes in practice, I would wrestle Ryan. What's that like? What's that like? Um, well, I could beat, but like <laughs> when I wrestle Ryan, <laughs> when I wrestle Ryan, I. Feel like I see what moves he does, and just just I'd never think about doing these moves. He just is an amazing wrestler. He has so much confidence and so much some determination. Earlier this year, he actually ran some of our practices, and they were some of the best practices I've ever wrestled with. So I see him as a leader, as an excellent wrestler, and a role model to me. All right, this Sunday, Bender take down your last home home match of the season. How important is it for you guys to go up against another ACC opponent? Because you guys did go against North Carolina State earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting because we, we obviously didn't wrestle uh, amazing against North Carolina State. Um, so, and I'm sure North Carolina State wrestled Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech would kill them. Um, but I don't, I totally think that we could, you know, beat Virginia Tech. It's like not out of the out of the question at all. Um, we just had a bad match against North Carolina State, but um, we didn't wrestle a lot of the ACC teams other than Maryland um, in that, that match against North Carolina State, but it'll be some interesting matchups. Virginia Tech's got a lot of match, or a lot of ranked, ranked guys, so um, you just got to go out with the same attitude we have been um, past few dual meets, um, try and get it done. And also, we have as much chance of being Virginia Tech as they are being us. Despite them having um, two top ten wrestlers, we can still beat them. We have all our wrestlers, and they have so much determination, so much motivation that we can win. Right, then after that, you guys go EIWAs and on the NCAAs. During the season, I know there's, 
there's team duels and there's individual meets as well. When does it start sort of funneling down to this is my time now, it's all up to individual? Usually it's it's right after the last duel meet. Um, it's, it's usually the perspective um, where most of the teammates, our teammates are always looking out for each other. So, so you, see, you see people helping each other out and kind of that team aspect a little bit, but you're right, it does focus focus more on individual efforts. When we go into practice, everyone has something different that they're working on in practice, which makes for a lot less, or a lot more focused practice. I don't want to say it gets more selfish, but definitely people are more focused on their individual goals, what they need to work on for the end of the year, because from, from that point on, it's not really as much team. Yeah, individual points count in the team, the team race, but as long as everyone's focusing on what they need to do to you know, be prepared for the matches, go out and and win matches, the team stuff handles itself, which is nice. It takes a little bit of pressure off off you when you're going off there. After this student meet, after Virginia Tech, it's going to be more focused on individual performance, but for us, for me as a backup to Matt, my job will be to help him out. But we could do much better this year than last year because some of the guys are doing better this year than last year. Everyone's resting better, I feel like. And we keep working harder and harder. And with Teague, Teague's helping us more with individual, um, our individual situations to help us out. All right, Matt Mariocker, Matt Dorf, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Best luck to you guys on Sunday and the rest of the season. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Sunday, this, uh, it's at 2 p.m. Make sure to head down to Bender Arena, free food, and all the rigor morales. Ben Florence, any final comments you wanted to say before we sign off? Uh, I just want to give a shout-out. I know my folks are hopefully listening. They went out to dinner tonight, but they said they were going to try and listen in. So if you guys are listening, you guys are the greatest. And if you send my Xbox anytime soon, that'd be great. Say <laughs> so Josh Dorfman from AU Hockey and AU Hockey fans will join us next week. We have a busy show as well. Gary Williams comes to town on the campus of American University. Hopefully we can set up with some of them. For Ben Florence, I'm Michael Gardner. Go to Facebook.com slash Fanatic Radio. Like the page. So long. We'll see you next week, fans.